the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church, located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. Today is pillar number four, and it's called a two-sided coin a two-sided coin. And what I'm going to give you are both sides of the coin right up front. I'm going to tell you point one and point two right here to get go. So you know when I say pillar number four, I'm talking about two things, not one. I want you to write this down. Pillar one or the two sides, one is evangelism and the other is discipleship. This church exists to evangelize the lost and to disciple the saved. All right? There's a lot of lost people. We've got to somehow figure out how to introduce them to Jesus. That's evangelism. Then, once they get saved, there's, there's a lot of stuff they need to keep learning and keep growing. So you can write this down. Evangelism is like the birthing of a child. And discipleship is like the raising of a child. Those are two completely different things. Now, oftentimes I hear some of the silliest comments spoken by well-intentioned people, but they are simply misinformed. And what they do is they spend their time arguing about which is more important. Is evangelism more important than discipleship, or is discipleship more important than evangelism? Some will argue that we need more evangelism in the church. We need more new converts. The church should be focused on reaching the lost. Others would argue that we need more discipleship. We already have enough people. I mean, look around. It's not the fact that that, uh, we don't have people. We've got people. We've got evangelism. What we need is to disciple people properly. And I say to both camps, you're both right and you're both wrong. You're both right in the fact that we do need more evangelism. There are two million people that live in this valley. Uh, A very few percentage of them are saved. Most of them are lost. Should we ever get to a point where we think, well, there is enough of a save, we don't need to reach anybody else? No. We should have evangelism. Amen. Amen. And then every single person that gets saved, every single person in the church, they need to be discipled. And so you're both right. We need evangelism. We need discipleship. But you're both wrong if you think that it's either or. It's both. Let me make this crystal clear. This church wants every single lost person in this city to find Jesus Christ. Yes. And we want 
Equally, every person that is saved, we want them to grow up in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not make the mistake of thinking that it's either or. They go hand in hand like Abbott and Costello. Like stink on a skunk. After the resurrection, Matthew 28, Jesus has already died. He was buried. He resurrected. And then he met his disciples. If you go to verse 16, the 11 disciples, there were only 11 at this time because Judas had hung himself. They will eventually replace Judas. But at this moment, there's 11, and they went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Picture this scene. After the resurrection, Jesus is up on this mountain with the 11. It was like a retreat. You talk about a mountaintop experience. And I will say this to you, anytime you're with Jesus, it's a mountaintop experience. And so they're with Jesus up on top of this mountain. He says in verse 17, the Bible says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some people doubted. And what that means is they just couldn't believe that he had come back from the dead. They're just having a hard time believing. And then in verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, therefore... In other words, you better pay attention because he's Lord of all. Amen? Amen. Here's what I want you to do. He says in verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Write this down. All verse 19 is saying you need to evangelize the world. Don't forget he's got the disciples on top of this mountain. He's getting ready to leave. He says, guys, pay attention. Uh, I've just died, I've been buried, I've resurrected. Here's what I want you to do. Go and evangelize the entire world. Now, there's three reasons why we evangelize. Reason number one, we value evangelism because God values evangelism. You see, God was the one who sent his one and only son to die on that cross for our sins. And why would, he, why would God send his one and only son? Well, so that you and I might be saved. Did Jesus die just for us or did Jesus die for the whole world? He died for the whole world. Evangelism must be pretty important to God if he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son. Jesus himself said in Luke 19 verse 10, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. And if evangelism's important to God, it should be important to us. The second reason why we value evangelism is because we ourselves have been evangelized because once it happens to you you want everyone to experience what you've experienced amen now here's a hypothetical situation it's kind of silly but let's suppose you wake up uh, tomorrow morning and your foot begins to swell and it hurts and you can hardly walk and all of a sudden your mouth begins to droop and fall and you go see a doctor the doctor looks at you and he goes, oh my. And you go, what? And he says, I know what you have. We haven't seen this in a hundred years in this country. Well, what is it? You've got Texas hoof and mouth disease. And the doctor says to you, you're not going to believe this, but there is no known cure. You're going to die. And you leave the doctor's office that day, you are depressed. Because you think you're going to die. Because you got Texas hoof and mouth disease. 
The next day at work, you're kind of walking in, you're all depressed, you're discouraged. And your best friend says, man, what's wrong with you? And then he says, you're not going to believe it. I went to see the doctor about my problem. He says, I got Texas hoof and mouth disease. He says, there's no known cure. He says, I'm going to die. And your friend says this to you. He goes, you know what? I remember my great-grandmother talking about Texas hoof and mouth disease. She's almost 100 herself. And I think she had a recipe that would cure that. And you would say, well, where does your grandma, is she still, is she still where she lived? And he would tell you, well, let's go find great, great, your great-grandma. So you would go find great-grandma, and as soon as you walk in that house, great-grandma looks at you and goes, I know what's wrong with you. You've got Texas hoof and mouth disease. I haven't seen that in 100 years. You would say, well, your, your great-grandson says that you have a cure. She goes, you know, I do believe if I can find that recipe. She goes and she looks and she finds this recipe. She takes these roots from this particular tree and some herbs and she mixes this concoction all together. And she goes, if you'll drink this, it'll cure you. He drinks it. It's the worst tasting stuff, but he drinks it. And as soon as he drinks it, his foot begins to go down. It doesn't hurt. His mouth goes back up. He's ill. He's cured. He's cured. Great grandmama. Gave him the solution, right? And uh, what would you do? Well, you would leave there hopping and skipping and whistling and cheering. Why? Because you've been cured of Texas hoof and mouth disease. (laughs) Now, what happens if the following week you're walking down and a friend of yours coming and his foot's all swollen and he's doing this and he's walking towards you? What would you do? You'd say, man, what's wrong with you? And he says to you, he goes, you're not going to believe this. I I went to the doctor. I've got this thing that's called Texas hoof and mouth disease. And the worst part is the doctor says I'm going to die. What are you going to say at that moment? Are you going to say, man, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that. I I do want you to know, brother, I'll be praying for you because I know know this is a tough time for you. You, Is there anything you want me to say at your funeral? I mean, because I'll be there. I'm going to be there on the front row. Are you going to say that or are you going to say, you got what? I got Texas. Oh, I know a lady. She's a great. She's over. She's still alive. She's got this recipe. Come with me. I had the same thing that happened to me. She cured me. She could cure you. Are you going to act like that or are you just going to say, brother, I'll be praying for you? (laughs) You see, in in the exact same way, every single person, if you're saved, you were once lost and now you've been found. You were once blind, but now you can see. And all around us, all over the city are people who are lost, and they're going to die, and there is no cure for their sin except one thing, Jesus Christ. And you've experienced Jesus Christ. Don't you see we value evangelism because we ourselves have experienced evangelism if you've ever experienced grace if you've ever experienced forgiveness if you've ever experienced salvation you can't help yourself you want the whole world to experience what you've experienced but there's a third reason why we value evangelism and that is because we value people if you have any love for people if you have any love of any kind for anybody you'll want them to be saved because You don't want them to go to hell. Someone said this once, and I don't even know who said it. They said, best friends don't let best friends go to hell. That's why we value evangelism, because we love people. We value people. Then we come to verse 20. 
Verse 19 is evangelism. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, verse 20, after you baptize them, teach them to obey everything I have ever commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And what he's saying is this, when someone is baptized, that is not the end. That is only the beginning. After someone is baptized, they need to be taught. They need to be mentored. They need to be discipled. They've got to learn to obey everything that Jesus ever taught. That's discipleship. Verse 19 is evangelism. Verse 20 is discipleship. It's a two-headed coin. Now write this down. Discipleship means it's that process of maturing someone in their faith. You should be maturing in your faith. There are several passages in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Hebrews 5, verse 13. 1 Peter 2, 2. That all talks about if you're not growing in your faith, you're just a baby. You're a baby in Christ. You hear that baby crying right there? (laughs) That's just a baby. And it's okay to be a baby when you're supposed to be a baby. But when you've been a Christian for four, five, six, seven, eight years, and you're still acting like a baby, something's wrong. So verse 19 is evangelism. Verse 20 is discipleship. Jesus said to teach them everything that I have ever commanded you. Stay with me. They're up on this mountain. It's a mountaintop experience. Jesus is getting ready to leave. And what he's saying in verse 19 and 20 is, guys, listen, you've got to get down off the mountain and get down amongst the people. And when you get down off this mountain and you rub shoulders with people, go wherever you go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then after they're baptized, you continue to teach them to obey everything that I have ever commanded you. That's discipleship. That's the two sides of a coin. Write this down, number three. All of that, pillar number four, is simply making Christ followers. Evangelism and discipleship is all about the process of seeing people become followers of Jesus Christ. And you have to hear me out on this. Every single person in this room has been given that task. It's not just the preacher's job to do that. Okay? It's all of our jobs. God has placed you in the schools that you attend. He's placed you in the neighborhoods that you live. He's placed you in the corporations where uh, you work. He's placed you in the school, on on the club, the team that you're on. He's got you there so that you can help lead people to Christ and then disciple them in Christ. When you go by and you see those 12 pillars of fire, as you go from the uh, west to the east, you will see the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And when you go from the east to the west, you will see the names of the 12 disciples that were up on that mountaintop with Jesus. And whenever you see those pillars, 
You need to be thankful that those 12 tribes brought us Jesus. But when you see those 12 disciples, those are the guys that were up on that mountain with Jesus in Matthew 28 after the resurrection and said to them, go get off this mountain, go down in the valley, make disciples, baptize them and teach them to obey everything that I have ever taught you. And then Jesus left. And those 11 disciples came down off that mountain and they led people to Christ and discipled people who led people to Christ, who discipled, who led people to Christ, who discipled. And that process has gone on for 2,000 years. My point being, you wouldn't be saved if those 11 guys had dropped the ball. We're saved because they followed verse 19 and verse 20 after Jesus left. And so in your heart, there should be a sense of gratitude for what those 12 disciples did. Now, as we prepare to close, write these last few things down, all right? Here's what I need you to do. First of all, you need to start praying every single day for five people. Just get you a piece of paper. Write five names of people that you start to pray for. Now, what that's going to do is two things. Number one, it's going to give you a conscious awareness of their spiritual condition, but more importantly, the Holy Spirit of God, you're asking God's Spirit to go work in their life. Number two, at some point, you need to tell them that you've been praying for them. Now, don't do it the first day or the second day, but after about five months, three months, four months, you go to this brother, this sister, and you go, hey, man, can I tell you something? What? I just want you to know for the last five months, every single morning at 7 o'clock, I've gotten down on my knees. I just want you to know, I know you're going to think this is strange, but I just want you to know that I've been praying for you every single day. Well, why are you doing that? I, I just love you and care about you and want you to know the Savior that saved me. And that person is going to, when you tell someone you've been praying for them every day, for, what do you think that does to them inside? They go, they're going to go, you must really care about me. I do. I've been praying for you for five months, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to keep praying for you. Now, we have 10,000 people in this church. If every one of us prayed for five people, that means that every day this church could be praying for 50,000 people by name. By name. Can you imagine that? Don't you see God? begin to work in their lives and in the life of this church. Number three, now this is important, you need to model Jesus in everything you do. I got a guy in the church, he's a friend of mine, he owns a tattoo store. And I go in to see him just to stop in and say hello, and he was asleep on the couch. Had the hat pulled down, and he was snoring. There's stuff going all through the store. And he's, I went in and I went in and I took a picture of him and me. He doesn't even know. And then I, I sent him this note. I sent him the picture. I said, hey. He's sleeping. I said, it looks like you were listening to one of my sermons. <laughs> I walked into his store. They had this rap music going on through the store. And I heard all the, like every other word was the F word or the N word. And this guy, he owns a store. Goes to this church. It's a friend of mine. I said, man, I, I walked in that store. All I heard was the F word and the N word. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't, that wasn't, no, no, pastor. I said, no, 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 here's the photograph. 
I'm in your store. And he goes, well, someone must have changed the channel. Well, you're the owner of the store, right? What is my point by that? The reason we can't lead people to Christ is because they don't, there's no difference between us and the rest of the world. And you and I, I don't care if you're even in a tattoo store. You and I need to model Jesus Christ every day and whatever we're doing. We need to act and live and reflect Jesus. And number four, invite, 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 invite. Just keep on inviting. Invite people to your life group. Invite people to the youth department. I saw a guy this week. He's been sober for 10 years. He goes to AA meetings. I said, hey, do you know, did you know that at our church we have an AA meeting on Monday nights? It's called CPR. He goes, what does that stand for? I go, Christ Powered Recovery, CPR. Never heard of it. You just invite people. Just, just say, keep coming to church. There's a guy yesterday I invited to come to church. I'm not exaggerating. I've invited him a hundred times. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to invite him another hundred times until eventually he comes. Amen? Now, what's the two sides of the coin? Evangelism and... Now, if, you're in, if you don't have any evangelism or discipleship going on in your life, if you don't have evangelism or discipleship, you got nothing. There's a third side to a coin. I don't know if your coins actually have three sides. There's this side, this side, but there's what's called the edge. You know what, you know what the edge represents to me? Effort. Evangelism, discipleship, and effort. All it takes is a little effort. Every single person you meet every person you see, try your best, pray, seek God, ask for the right words, model Jesus Christ, and just don't give up effort, work. You got to get off the mountaintop. This is the mountaintop experience. You got to get off the mountain, roll up your sleeves and get to work and try to lead people to Christ each and every day and then help them to grow and mature in faith. That's worth a lot right there. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? 
struggling with prejudice, brokenhearted, anxious, or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at the same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.